Hello and welcome to the podcast. Glad you're here. I'm glad I am here. And we're going to hop right into it. We are in Joshua chapter 3. If you remember last week, Joshua, he sent spies into Canaan and they find themselves at the house of a prostitute named Rahab. And what we discover through Rahab is that all the people, all the Canaanites, their kings, everybody is terrified of Israel. Because they have watched them come through the Red Sea and they've heard what God did, right? God delivered them out of Egypt. And then even after that, they had these military victories, which you, which is fascinating because that's not what slaves usually do after they are free, right? They, they, they defeat established people. And so the Canaanites are very much afraid of Israel because here they are, they're encamped right on the other side. And so what Rahab does is she understands she's watching how her people live in fear. And she comes to the realization that this God must be more powerful than all the other gods. This God must be the way. This God seems so much better than everything else. I'll choose this God over fear. And so she she asks the spies, if I, if I help you, will you promise that I am... Uh, delivered. And sure enough, um, what we later on see with Rahab is that actually Rahab is in the lineage of Christ. So we go from prostitute who lives in the city walls, a marginalized woman who has a very questionable job description. And we find her being used. We find God using her in his ultimate redemption story. And so the spies, they return to Joshua and they report back what they see. And so Joshua, he, he, it's time to get the people ready to cross over the Jordan River. And so what he has them do to get ready is he asks them to consecrate themselves, which that basically means repenting. It's preparing themselves. It's, it's reminding themselves of who they are in the midst of the bigger story. Right When we consecrate ourselves, when you wash yourself and you wash your clothes and you abstain from sex and there's this self-examination and repentance, it's because you acknowledge that there is a holy God that is holy and that you are not. And so consecrating themselves was, was this admission that they are not good enough because God is holy. And so so what they do is they they consecrate themselves before the Lord. They're getting ready for what God is going to do because this holy and righteous God is about to do something with them that is truly incredible. And so for them to be ready um they repent and they 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 find themselves reconnecting with the Lord. They're consecrating themselves to the Lord and his purposes. And so Joshua, he, after they consecrate themselves, he gathers the priests and he instructs them that they are to carry the ark and wade into the waters, which are actually at flood stage. Now, right now in Capay, uh, I live a mile from the Sacramento River. It's just a mile down the road. Uh, if I had a drone, I could fly it and see it from my house. And so often I walk down there and, and what's most impressive right now, we've had so much rain here in Northern California, and this dry land desperately needs it. 
But what's so impressive about the river, it gets high, but what's most impressive is it gets wide. The river is at its widest point right now. And so what used to be land that seemed safe, that seemed like a place where you could actually put a house, is now engulfed with water. In fact, it's probably about 15 to 20 feet underwater right now and so what seemed safe at one point is no longer the river is at its highest point and it might get even higher we're only in february usually the highest point of the river is not until the springtime and so so the river is kind of at a similar stage here in this story like it is here in capay that it's at its highest point it's at the flood stage and so joshua he instructs the priest to carry this ark into the water and then Israel is to follow a half mile behind it. So God goes into the water, right? They they carry the ark which is which is not God himself but it's a symbol of God's presence with them. And so it enters into the water and this is where our story picks up in Joshua chapter 3 starting in verse 17. The priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Now, something fascinating happens here in this text, and there's a word used to describe the people of God that has not yet been used in Scripture. They are now described when they come through on the other side as a whole nation. Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing. You know, they weren't a nation before, but now they come through on the other side and they find themselves, they have a new designation. It, it means that when you are a nation, you are one in purpose. And we're going we're gonna to expand upon that more later. But now they are united as a people. They've consecrated themselves to the Lord and then they follow the Lord into the river. God goes first into the river and because they follow the Lord, they come out a nation on the other side. I want you to hold on to that idea that because they consecrate themselves, they follow God into the river, they come out a nation on the other side. Now, there's something else going on here in the text, and it's not always obvious, but we, if, you, uh, if you study a little bit about the Canaanites, um, one of the things you'll learn is, that, is how they carried out justice. And what they would do, they didn't have Judge Judy, they didn't, they didn't have a judicial system like we do, but they relied on their gods to carry out justice. So what they would do, if somebody was in question, they would take them out to the middle of the river and throw them in. If they survived, they must have been innocent. If they died, they must have been guilty. This is their way of carrying justice. Now we know from Rahab that they are very much aware of Israel's presence on the other side of the Jordan. And so think about what God does in the eyes of the Canaanites here. Here are the Israelites, and they send 
um, the presence of God into the river and the waters part and Israel comes out on the other side. And so in the eyes of the Canaanites, if, if this is how justice, um, they, what they believed about justice, that, that when you came out of the river, that you are innocent. So Israel has come out of the river and now they are a nation. They are something new and they are innocent. Now let's, let's uh, hold on to that. Let's uh, let's skip into the New Testament here, into Luke chapter three, verse three, and this is John the Baptist here. He went into all the all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet: "A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill made low." The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. So here's John. He's actually at the very same place where Israel crossed the Jordan River. And he's, right, we refer to John as John the Baptist. And he's baptizing people in the very place where Israel followed God and came out innocent on the other side. Essentially, what John is doing is he's consecrating the people. He's getting them ready for what God is about to do. He's getting them ready for what God is about to do. Now, I want us to see what God is about to do. So let's scoot, skip forward in the book of Luke in uh, chapter 23, verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. So John the Baptist is preparing, he's consecrating people for what God is about to do. And so there's this scene of the criminals with Jesus on the cross, and there's this dialogue taking place. One is hurling insults, and one is becoming very much aware of his sin. And the one who's becoming very much aware of his sin is promised something by Jesus. Today you will be with me in paradise. So what is Jesus doing on the cross? Guilty people are being made innocent because of what Christ is doing. The same way that God took Israel and they become a nation when they come out on the other side. They come out innocent on the other side. John, he's baptizing, he's consecrating people, and he's preparing them for this magnificent thing that Christ is doing on the cross. And what is he doing? He's making guilty people innocent. So how do we become the people of God right here and right now? I, one, of the, one of the things I see in our culture today is that there are so many people who are trying to work for what they feel is justice or what they think is justice. And some of them I'm right on and I agree with, and some of them I kind of cringe. But one of the things I see is that people have this 
desire to be part of a group, to be part of something larger than themselves. And I think sometimes we as the church, where sometimes we get off track, is we forget actually what holds us all together, what makes us a people. Because what makes us a people is Christ himself. It's God who makes them a people when they come on the other side, come out on the other side of the river. It's Christ who makes us whole by what he does on the cross. And so anything we try to organize ourselves around that are outside of Christ, I think sometimes or often they always become idols. If we try to organize around things that are outside of Christ as the church. And so what what do we need to do to be the people of God right here in 2017? And it's not a social justice issue. That's not what's going to make us whole. It's not fighting for rights for these people and for those people. But for us, and certainly that is something the people of God do. But to be the people of God, the first thing that must be true about us is that we are made innocent. Now, that is not something that we do. That is only something that Christ does through the cross. That we are made innocent because the cross is our place, because we are sinful. We are broken. We cannot we cannot write things on our own. That it is only through Christ that we can be made innocent. The second is that we must be followers of Jesus. It's one thing to be made innocent, to be redeemed, to be restored, but it's another thing to be followers. I think one of what we do as the church at times is we sell people short by saying all you need to do is pray this sin Oh, sorry, pray this prayer. Don't pray a sin. Pray this prayer of forgiveness, and then you are all right. But what actually Christ calls us to do is actually to follow after him. Not just for our sins to be forgiven, that's part of it, but then we are also transformed. And Christ does that. I want us to see what happens here in Acts 2.42. Says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We get this picture of the early church in Acts. And what I love about this text, this is after they have received the Holy Spirit. And it's fascinating to see what is it that makes them a people. What is it that holds them together? And we, we get a glimpse here. And, and we, we, when we look at what they do, the first thing we see that they are doing is they devote themselves to the apostles' teachings. And so what we see is they devote themselves to the apostles' teachings, meaning that what the apostles are teaching, they are grabbing onto. And what are the apostles teaching? They're, they're teaching 
about Christ. They're teaching the way of Jesus. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. And what are the apostles' teachings? It's the way of Jesus. They're devoting their lives to the way of Jesus. The next thing we see them do is they're breaking bread together. And this image of breaking bread together is, is more than just sitting around a table and sharing a meal. When we look at what bread does, it is sustenance, right? Bread, and we need sustenance to live, right? We put food in our bodies, which then our bodies break down and turn into energy, right? So that we can move, we can work, we can play. We need food to survive. This is very basic, right? And so when it talks about breaking bread together, this bread that they're breaking together is not meant to be just a nice loaf of sourdough bread, which I love, but it's so much more. Bread is about life. And so when they're breaking bread together, what it means is that they are doing their life in Christ together. That it's not just bread, it's Christ that is actually sustaining them. It's Christ. They understand that it's Jesus who holds them up. The third thing we see here is they were in awe of the signs and wonders that were happening. And I think this is true when we are in relationship with God. Uh, when When we're doing the way of Jesus, when Christ becomes our life, is we become a much more aware of what God is doing around us. We become much more aware of the signs and wonders and ways God is moving in incredible ways. See, sometimes we get often distracted and and when we're not close to the heart of Jesus, when, when we're not following the Jesus way, when Christ isn't our life, we can oftentimes be blind to the redemption and restoration and renewal that is happening right in our midst because we are not looking for Christ's redemption and renewal. Fourth, it says that they had everything in common, meaning that they all existed for the same purpose, which is exactly what happens when Israel follows God through the Jordan River. They come out on the other side as now a people, a nation, a nation that has the same purpose. So it's interesting that Israel kind of follows the same pattern that we see here in Acts, right? They consecrated themselves. They devoted themselves to God, right? They, they, they devoted themselves to, to the way of God, just like the, um, the people submitted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They're, they're submitting themselves to the way of Jesus. Next, they entered the water where God already is. See, where God already is, that's where the life is. Where God already is, that's where the life is. That's the bread. That's where the energy comes from. And so where do we find uh, Israel? We find them going into the water because that's where God is going. Third, we see that they are able to see God's deliverance. Once they get to the other side, Joshua instructs them to go back and grab some stones right from where the ark is. And, and bring it out and place it so that you will remember what God has done. Let this be a sign to you of the signs and wonders that God has done. 
And so they're able to see clearly this feat is only because of our relationship with Yahweh. They're able to see the miracles of God. And fourth, we see that they're called a nation on the other side. They exist for the same purpose. And I would say that we can only exist for the same purpose when we are all following after God. When we try to follow after other ideologies, other things of this world, and we think that we can be united as the church, what we discover is that we find ourselves incredibly broken and divided. But what ultimately holds us together as the people of God is that we are made innocent and that we are all following after him. I've had I've been part of the church my whole life and I've been serving in ministry since I was 18 years old at a church. And while I know that's that's you know I'm only 32 right now so what is that 12 uh, oh 20 or 14 years. 14 years of ministry. I know that's really not all that long compared to a lot of my other um brothers and sisters, but one of the things that I have seen time and time again are the, what divides churches are the things that really don't matter. What, what often divides churches are the things that really don't matter. And people get so bent up on certain issues, on certain things that really have no bearing or weight but they want to be defined by these certain things. And this is not what leads to life. This is not what makes people whole on the other side. Because as soon as we get whole tied up in these in issues that really don't matter, then maybe we've made an idol out of them. Because it's only God that makes us whole. It's only our following after Yahweh that makes us a people. So may we find our lives devoted to the Lord. May we do life. May the Lord be our energy. May we see that God is doing incredible work right here in our midst. And may we be the church existing for the same purpose. My hope and my prayer for you is that you find yourself connected to the vine, that you find yourself in relationship with the Lord, that you are made innocent because of what Christ has done on the cross, that you follow after him with your whole heart. And when we do that as the church, it is a beautiful picture. So friends, go in grace and peace and may you follow the Lord and be made innocent on the other side.